Now, before we start, what when do you think my birthday is? Not today. No, but it's Thursday. Thursday. Right. Yes. So, which episode is going on the air Friday? The last one. And we didn't say anything about my birthday. <laughs> We're going to say it in this episode. I mean, so were you... <laughs> I don't understand why you brought up my birthday. I'll tell you. It'll make sense here in oh, a second. Okay. 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 Fine. Welcome to History Rated R. My name is uh, the accused Will Sterling. Being accused of not planning uh, the birthday episode for Craig appropriately. To be fair, we discussed the order of being Rosepierre and then Shakespeare this episode. That's how we're going to record it. So I said, great. But Martini Time is always episode two when we do the two. Right. And your gift and part of the celebration is has to do with Martini Time. Oh, okay. So that's why I oh, waited. okay. But see now, because we, and the people can know, this episode we recorded second, but we'll release it first. Okay. Thursday... Uh, the day before this, you hear this episode will have been Dr. Craig Smith's 78th birthday, <clears throat> 18th birthday. <laughs> yes. Cheers, young man. And the following day, cheers to you. Happy Let's take birthday. a sip. Thank you. And I have given you on your birthday, I never let anyone else drink in that glass. That is Grandma Olga's glass. Oh, wow. You get your birthday martini and Grandma Olga's glass. Thank you. And how is this gin? This is good. I like it. Strong. This is a gift for you. Okay. It's a little self-serving because I'm using it to make our martinis, but you take it home with you. Oh, okay. It is. Uh, well, from... you can put it on the shelf for me and I, when I come back. and You put it on your shelf. Okay. And then uh, you make a martini when I come down. Okay. This is from the Great Lakes Distillery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'll be damned. So we went on a distillery tour and uh, it's called Rayhorst Gin. The guy who... who, who I like who, it. Who uh, started the distillery is named Guy Rayhorst. And... Uh, yeah, it's very good. They make a lot of good spirits there. We tried a lot of things. Our tour guide was fucking hammered. <laughs> he was drunk before the tour, and we were all tasting liquor. Ooh. Yeah, it was uh, It was a good time. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just real drunk. Dangerous. Uh, yeah, but he was a bar manager, so he was kind of like, I can just do whatever I want. Well, <laughs> so it is your birthday. Happy birthday, Craig. Right, and today is a holiday. To, which day? Today. October 10th, when we're actually recording this? Yeah. This is a holiday. It's for some of us Columbus Day, <laughs> and it's for others of us, People's Day. it's it's Indigenous Peoples Day. Yes, which we, is much more appropriate. We choose to celebrate the latter. Yes, yes, I'm with you all the way on that. Okay, uh, <laughs> you don't have to be, but I strongly encourage it. Yeah, well, um, those of us who've written about the Indigenous people uh, really think they got ripped <laughs> off. <laughs> I think at this point, uh, if no one thinks they got ripped off, those people are fucking assholes. Um, well, uh, happy birthday. How do you feel? You have big plans? I know your plans. I, uh, you know, I, I've got plans all week. It's okay. my birthday week. Yes. When this airs, we will have. I will be on the road to Palm Springs to celebrate oh. with uh, a former student of mine and his husband oh. in, um, in Palm Springs for the weekend. So it's a week of stuff. Um, uh Anthony and Adolfo are taking me out to dinner okay. on Wednesday night. Okay. Um, Miles and my uh, friend Kevin are coming over for dinner on Thursday night. Okay. 
And then Friday night, I go to Palm Springs. Well, I'm glad uh, we got to make your celebration of your birthday with me also involve working. This is the first one. You have to work. This is the first the first day of celebrating me getting even older. <laughs> <laughs> even younger. Do you? Does this feel like work or is this a no, fun I way love to this. celebrate your birthday? This, this energizes me. Okay, great. Okay. So, okay. And this one we're doing with no notes and we're going to have a lot of fun. Great. Oh boy. Last we've been doing some tight short episodes which I I don't mind. I love a I mm-hmm. love a I love a tight episode. <laughs> don't episode. touch it don't touch it <laughs> i'll tell you what not to touch um this one's probably gonna be longer because now we're drinking and it's shakespeare and we can just kind of talk yeah. about that ad infinitum uh, i have a very brief uh history of ale oh okay did, did you know that was shakespeare's favorite drink yes most people feel like ale oh, houses they had ale houses right most people feel like oh it's old history time wine must have been the drink no at this point no. wine was 12 times more expensive than ale so yeah. the poor starving artists did not, they didn't really drink that much wine. Yeah. Um, beer is great also. So good for them. Everyone uh, during this time, including the queen, drank ale. And it was also commonplace for everyone to essentially have a mini brewery in their home, which is awesome. Oh, Everyone wow. just brewed ale in their house. Got the barley, got the hops. Oh, what a great idea. Shakespeare's father was actually an official ale taster Ooh. in Stratford. Where's Stratford? On the Avon River. Where's the Avon? North Is that the makeup west, line? Northwest of London. Oh, okay. Not far from London. Named after the makeup lady. <laughs> um, that's a great job, Ale Taster. Charlie's got his bone here. It wouldn't be Charlie without his bone. What's hilarious is that there's this compulsion he has to when he knows that we're recording. He does it. To bring the bone. Casey's in the other room. He could, so, he could do other things. Mm-hmm. He could also lay here and not chew the bone. Right, but when we're recording, he insists on chewing the he bone. He couldn't chew it in the last one we recorded because he didn't have the bone. He was trapped in the room, and now, okay, Charles, this is how he's letting you know he's saying happy birthday Okay, by chewing his bone during the episode. Okay. Um, ale was actually an important source of nutrition during medieval times because yeah. along with pottage and bread, it was the third most regular way to consume grain. It's crazy. Yeah, and it has a lot of calories. A lot of calories, sometimes safer than water uh, because of the alcohol. Yeah. Ale is a type of beer used, uh, brewed using warm fermentation method, resulting in sweet, full-bodied, and fruity taste. Historically, the term referred to a drink brewed without hops. So, so the classic recipe used no hops to make it bitter. Now we use hops. Um, records from the Middle Ages show that ale was consumed in huge quantities. In 1272, a husband and wife who retired at Selby Abbey were given two gallons of ale per day. With loaves of white bread and one loaf of brown bread. Wow. Two lo- wow. One for you, one for me. Gall- yeah. Gallon of uh, ah. of ale. Monks at Westminster Abbey consumed one gallon of ale each day. Well, that's why they were such fatties. <laughs> oh, Craig. They were. They were rotund. Be nice. Um, the, the, in 12... 12- 99, Henry de Lacy's household purchased an average of 85 gallons of ale daily. And in 1385 through 1386, Framlingham Castle consumed 78 gallons per day. My God. People love their ale. Brewing ale in the Middle Ages was, was a local industry primarily pursued by women. Brewsters or alewives, yeah. as some people might have heard the term, would brew in the home for both domestic consumption and and small-scale commercial sale. Brewers, uh, Brewsters provided a substantial supplemental income for families. However, only in select few cases, 
as was the case for widows, was brewing considered the primary income of the household. I think they should be called brewists. Brewists. Brewesses. Brewesses. You were a brewess. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a bar, bar, barista. You know. Bru- Mixologist. Bru- brewista. Bru- a brewista. Okay. 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 Fine. Well, happy birthday, Craig. We are Thank here you. to talk about William Shakespeare. Yes. None other than the great, or po- uh, not poet. What is it? Playwright. He was a poet. Too. He was a poet. All the things. Oh God. Coming up next on Will does all the accents. So, just to put Shakespeare in context, yes. most of his life, Queen Elizabeth the first is oh. the queen. Ah. So this is important to realize because she reestablishes the Anglican Church. Okay. After her uh, her older sister Mary, yes. her older half sister Mary tried to bring the Catholic Church back, then her brother came in and he didn't live to be old enough to be king on his own. Yeah. It was a regency and so in comes Elizabeth and she's going to reign for a long time. And bring the church back. So, number one, Shakespeare, who's Catholic, has to go in the closet. Number two... Wait. He he has been closeted Catholic. He was a closeted Catholic. I see. Yes. Okay. Like Edmund Burke that we saw right. much, much later in history. The other thing is Elizabeth is of the Tudor line. Mm. Okay? Not a forder. Not a forder. So, you've got Henry VII, Henry VIII, Mary, um, Henry and, VIII, the, and yeah. now you have Elizabeth, who will be the last of the Tudor line. But the importance to Shakespeare is, if he writes his plays about history, yes. which he does, yes. you know, you've got all of those historic plays that Shakespeare wrote, they have to take the Tudor sign uh, in things. Oh, so in Richard, order to be yeah, like So allowed. you go back in history, yeah. and, and you get to like Richard... The third, yeah, he's portrayed as evil because he's defeated in battle by the first tutor, who becomes Henry the Seventh. I see. So that's why Richard the Third is portrayed as such an awful villain, as a, as a villain. one of the biggest villains in history. Right. I mean, that's every uh, played, actor's dream played role. By yes, played by most famously in the movie version, uh-huh. Al Pacino. Uh, he did one. Uh, Lawrence Olivier oh. does the best one. Olivier is at the peak of his pl- powers when he does that. As, as, as Olivier gets older, he starts overacting in films. He, uh, he, he's, I, he, that and also just phoning it in. You know well, what I mean? Some things he, he phones it in, and other things he just goes over the top. Well, he got to just show up and like do whatever he wanted to do because he knew that his name was synonymous with mm-hmm. like, oh, it's prestigious. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so um, he wins the Academy Award for Hamlet. So I thought we'd start with Hamlet. Okay. And then we'll move to another one that I'm going to do. I, uh, when I was in high school, uh, we did like Romeo and Juliet and some of these other things like English class. I, I was uh, Oberon oh, slash King Theseus in Midsummer Night's Dream. That, yeah. yeah. And then in, uh, around that time, I would go to the Ashland Shakespeare Festival in Oregon, Ashland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. And seeing it's Richard III good. there, whatever actor that was who played him there, fucking blew my mind. It was so good. One of the actors I saw play Richard III had these long uh, sleeves, hmm. big long sleeves. Okay. And he was in, in those crutches that grip your arm. Yeah. And so he looked like a spider. 
Oh, interesting. It was really good. Huh. He looked like a, and he always dressed in black. Yeah. You know, because uh, Richard III was a hunchback. Hunchback. And and he's going around the stage with these long things and and his crutches. Oh, my God. It was just incredible. That's cool. And I saw that in London. That okay. was really, really, that was the best Richard III I, uh, I saw. Anyway, Hamlet. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that critics, uh, people who write, about how to interpret the plays of Shakespeare, and uh-huh. it's very important. They do they do great work um, because it's it's sometimes not easy to decipher. But they always have their argument is that Shakespeare is trying to demonstrate a a tragic flaw in the main character. Okay. So in Hamlet, it's supposedly that he was indecisive. I'm going <laughs> to blow this apart. I'm going to blow this apart. He just couldn't make up his mind. Yeah. Well. There's a scene where he comes up on his uncle, who is now the king. Right. We know the plot, right? Yes. His father was killed by his uncle. Correct. And then he married Hamlet's mother. His mother, yeah. And Hamlet's very upset about this. I would be pretty fucking pissed as well. And particularly if your father, as a ghost, comes to you and says, I was murdered by my brother, and your mother's betrayed me, and you need to kill the son of a bitch. (laughs) So in one scene, Hamlet comes upon the king, his uncle, who's praying. And Hamlet could kill him right there. He's yeah. got the sword and the dagger. He can sneak up on him and kill him. The guy's totally disarmed. And he doesn't. And the critics say, oh, see, he's indecisive. And that's what Shakespeare's trying to point out. Hmm. No, 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 no. If you killed somebody who was praying, they went to heaven. Oh, That's what the Catholics said ah. at that time. Okay, And so Hamlet can't kill him. Right. At that point, he doesn't want to send him to heaven. That guy goes to heaven. Jesus Christ's sake. Yeah. Yeah. Literally for Jesus Christ's sake. Literally. Jesus doesn't want to be around his his murdering uncle. Jesus would be like, why did you send him here? That's right. I watched him kill your father. And now I have to break bread with this man. So Hamlet goes upstairs into his mother's bedroom and starts berating her about what she's doing. Right. You know, she's sleeping with her brother-in-law. It's just. Now, I haven't seen Hamlet actually in a minute. Uh, refresh my memory. Does she is she aware that the uncle killed her husband? Yes, she is. Okay, and so there's there's all this. He, he's berating her and berating her, and she's she, you know stop it, stop it. You're so cruel. Stop it. And he utters one of the best lines in Shakespeare's play. He says plays. He says, "I am cruel only to be kind, mother." Hmm. And then the curtain wiggles. In the background. And this so-called indecisive Hamlet takes a sword out and runs it into the curtain that's wiggling. Yes. Thinking the king has come up the stairs from praying. Yeah. And now I can kill him. And he pulls the sword out, curtain back, and Polonius falls dead. The teacher. Yes. Who is the father of Laertes and Ophelia. Now that brings us to the problem with Ophelia. Uh-huh. Ophelia is madly in love with Hamlet. And Hamlet, in order to trick the king, is trying to pretend he's insane. Okay. So he needs to get rid of Ophelia, get her off the scene. And he spurns her and says, you know, get thee to a nunnery. I don't love you. You may have loved me. Get away. You yeah. Dumb bitch. And uh, she, I believe I believe the 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 Shakespeare quote is "Move, bitch, yeah, there get you out of the way, yeah, yeah, thy way." And so Sorry. she commits suicide. And I have a question for you. Yeah, before we get too far, because it's fine if we go either way, but I'm curious of it. 
are we talking about the history of William Shakespeare as a person, or are we analyzing his plays? We're we're coming at him with the history of his plays. Okay. So we're looking at the plays. Okay. You're you're the boss. Yeah. No. No. The, we're looking at the, I didn't, the I plays. We were are talking much more interesting than Shakespeare's life. life. Okay. We're yeah, not no, talking no, about I Shakespeare's mean, yeah. life. I love learning this in real time. Great. Yeah. I mean, he had a kid named Hamnet who died, which I think it's sad. The but plague. It's, to me, it's like Hamnet is such a like, and then there's also a play named Hamlet. Well, those were interchangeable names at the time, uh, and so he just changed it to Hamlet in the play, but it could have been Hamnet. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, his son died of the plague. I like that you reduce like one of the greatest playwrights and writers in history to being like, yeah, his life's not that interesting. He had, a, he had a son named Hamnet and he died. <laughs> and then you're like, look at his these life wonderful, is, I mean, beautiful his, plays. His life is important, but I mean, it, 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 his plays are so much more important. And they're, and they're well, so his much life, more... w- would you argue that his life is in his plays? His plays are. Yeah, well, life. Hamlet, certainly. His, no, I mean, not, not based because on I Because I think I think he's the ghost of the king talking to his dead son. Not based on his life. I mean, his, his plays are his life in that he's such a, like... Prolific. Prolific oh writer. And that, all those poems. Yeah. And and that has, you know, raised questions in history, whether that he, he, wrote he really it. did it. Yeah. You know, was it Christopher Marlowe who was doing it? Was it the... Earl of this or that yeah. who did it. It was me, actually, at a time machine. There you go. Will S, you that know, was an easy it. thing to kind of get by. Well, on. you know, given how many screenplays you've written, it's not hard to believe that you could have written all those plays for Shakespeare. <laughs> Do you actually know how many screenplays I've written? No. It's fucking way too many. Okay. And none of them have been made. It's a great feeling. Well, there we have something in common. Yeah. I've written 10. Yeah. I've written probably close to 20. Yeah. I have one under review at a big place, but I've been there before, and it gets to the executive offices, and then they make stupid decisions. So Shakespeare said, I was at the executive offices yeah, trying to get my plays produced, and nobody wanted them. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, Hamlet. The other thing about Hamlet is it's incredibly violent. Yeah, and well, it's a lot used. Of it's is. it's used as a defense by the gaming companies before the Supreme Court, arguing that they should not be censored, that states can't censor video games with graphic violence mm-hmm. because there are seven people dead at the end of Hamlet, and they're killed and they're poisoned. And wait, so video game companies way. really use Shakespeare yeah. as a yeah as call a defense. It Shakespeare yes. defense. Yes. yes, the Hamlet defense. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of on the side of video. Like, I played a lot of violent video games growing up, yeah. and I have never had any desire to like murder people. They can, they can be cathartic. It's an outlet. It's just whether or not it's it's if that's something in addition to somebody who's already unwell and yeah. unstable, and they have access to wep- dangerous weapons, usually from their irresponsible, dumb fuck parents. Yeah. Then you're a recipe for disaster. Somebody like yeah. me and, playing and Grand they, Theft Auto they, Three they, was they, like, yeah. They keep getting more real, more and more realistic. Some of the games now, you can put on a vest and Ooh. feel the bullets hit you. Really? Yes. I don't want to do that. No. No, that's too... I'm too old for yeah, that. It's yeah. terrible. So, anyway, um, that's the thing, you know, with Hamlet. I, I don't agree with the critics that say he was an indecisive character. Okay. I think he was a Catholic and, and he couldn't kill when he needed to and right. things like that. There's also one of my fun assignments in class when I teach Shakespeare is using Shakespeare's play and the lines from the play prove to me that Hamlet is bisexual. Okay. And you can. There's a, well, there's a lot of evidence that Shakespeare was not straight. No, no, no. Hamlet. 
I, I'm aware, but as a writer, influencing the voice of the characters. Yeah. Shakespeare well, is somebody who's... Well, I don't know about... I'm, I'm not arguing about Shakespeare. I'm arguing, did Shakespeare intend Hamlet to be a bisexual character? And I would argue, yes. Yeah. Because I think the evidence points to Shakespeare and also of being all a all the person. versions of Hamlet, it's the Mel Gibson version mm. that portrays Hamlet as bisexual. He's having a conversation with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah, who are both dead, by the way. Who are both dead. Yeah. Uh, who are commissioned to kill him by the king. Uh-huh. And he kills them instead. Um, but he's having a conversation with them, and he talks about the pleasure of a man and the pleasure of a woman, and it doesn't make any difference. See, I, I don't think a writer writes that. I mean, that's not Maybe. true. Maybe. That's not true. I write for a lot of characters. I am not. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. There's a lot of evidence to say that that old Bill Shakespeare was... Uh, was, was well, queer. the rejection of Ophelia also plays into that. Well, the rejection of your own identity would play into that kind yeah. of violence. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's all okay. There. So now we're going to move on to Romeo and Juliet. Okay. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Um, Specifically the Baz Luhrmann one, right? That's the one we're going to talk about. No, well, we're going to talk about the first one <laughs> and the Baz Luhrmann. The original. One. Yes. No, the there, are, there are a lot of good versions of Romeo and Juliet, but. There is a contradiction in Romeo and Juliet. Hmm. Number one, the play opens and it's about, quote, star-crossed lovers, right. unquote. Right. So that means they're fated to die. Right. But there's, a, but this is contradictory. Wait, does that mean they're fated to die or fated to fall in love? Star-crossed is negative. Oh, oh. Yeah. I, thought, I always yeah. thought that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, no. Beautiful tragedy. No, no, no. It means we've got a tragedy here. And it's called the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet in the full name. Right. So why is it a tragedy? It's a tragedy because they commit suicide and go to hell. Catholic. Uh, Okay? Yes. Now let's back off. Uh, Yeah, you better back off, Craig. The... the, My favorite character in Romeo and Juliet is Mercutio. That's everybody's favorite. Yeah. That's you, the that's 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 and, the part I've always wanted. I've never fucking say, gotten that part was written for you. Thank you. I mean, he is very gay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. But he's also funny as fuck, and, and he yes, yes, and and he's the he, comedic. He has tragic potty mouth. Yes, he's the potty mouth in the pl- he, play. Look at go, just go through and read what he he has some of the most eloquent speeches and some of the dirtiest speeches. He is the best character in that whole play. He, he talks about a popper in pair mm. and then it's the way he says it is pop her in pair Ooh. oh he's dirty and <laughs> and who likes him Ooh, that Mercutio. the nurse uh juliet's nurse uh-huh Ju- laughs at all of mercutio's jokes and and <laughs> that mercutio's so funny yeah but she's dirty too i bet she so is. they're they're the nurse and mercutio are parallel characters Right, that balance one another in yeah. this play, which is brilliantly written. Well, that's it's wonderful. That's like you need that in in any kind of writing. Like you can't have characters that exist without balance. Yeah, you know, especially yeah. when you have a character who's a big character. The big character needs to be like Romeo and Juliet. Technically, I guess balance each other. But yeah. when you have that kind of, that's why you always do. You said in old movies too, right? You have like the crazy kooky cook and also the. The lady cook who balances him out, or the mm-hmm. other, the, the st- stern, you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 exactly. Now, in this play, the tragic flaw is impatience, and it's true. The critics are right. You agree. Story. Okay. Juliet is 12 
at the most. That's so fucking gross. Read the play. Yeah. She's 12 at the most. Now, a, a girl was declared a woman at 12 in those days, and a boy was declared a man at 15. Okay. Romeo's around 15. So he's 15, she's 12. So these are very young people. Oof. Uh, the first movie version is Norma Shearer. <laughs> what is she at this point? Uh, who is 40. Good. As Juliet. Good for her. Why couldn't she play a 12 uh, the the guy from Gone with the Wind plays uh, Clark Gable. No, no, no. The the other one. I don't. Leslie uh, Howard. Leslie Howard plays Romeo. Okay. And guess who plays Mercutio? I have no idea. I have not seen this version, so I don't know. Uh, the profile. Oh, oh God! We talked about him. I did a thing on him. Yeah. Shit. There he is over there. It's it's John Barrymore. John Barrymore, you got it. <laughs> I had to do Can the voice imagine? of the bit that so I did. If you look so at John the, Barrymore, plays. you look at the 1930s version. <laughs> you look at the 1930s version of Romeo and Juliet. It's these old people, uh, yeah, playing Olivier. Same the, thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, so that's why the Baz Luhrmann thing. I mean, they're still they're pretty too old. Young. They're but they're but, pretty young, though. Well, that's like Leo, like right after point. Titanic. Claire Danes is yeah. wonderful. They look it's like a babies version. compared. I mean, now, especially by, like when you see that movie again, you're like, God, they look like fucking babies. And and and, and, and but but the, for me, the best one was Olivia Hussey and Leonard Whiting in the 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 version that was done high style uh, in in the '60s. Okay, I think late '60s or 70s it's it's just it's just fantastic mm -hmm. uh and of all of them that one's my favorite because it's 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 done in the time right of you know italian renaissance and it's beautifully acted yeah. and 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 you know and awfully good but to get back to mercutio so mercutio obviously is desperately in love with romeo oh, correct <clears throat> And here's one, Will Shakespeare again. Yeah. There's always queer characters. Oh, yeah. I don't think you do that without being a queer writer yourself. Oh, yeah. And in Malvolio and Twelfth Night. Exactly. Clearly. But anyway, so at one point, Mercutio gives the Queen Mab speech, which mm -hmm. is one of the best moments in Romeo and Juliet. He talks about Queen Mab comes to you and brings you your dreams. Right. And she's in a chariot. And the spokes are made of spider legs. Mm -hmm. And it's just this beautiful speech. And Romeo goes up to Mercutio and takes his head in his hands and says, Mercutio, you speak nothing. Implying, you're crazy, man. Mm -hmm. You know, cool it. Hey, like West Side hey, Story. Cool it. Yeah. And West Side Story is... Yeah. And West Side Story is Romeo and Juliet. Correct. I mean, you talk about a play that's had incredible influence in, in the world. Well, also, when you look at it, it's like there's so many things that you can see people just... It's just ripped off, right? Yeah. Yeah, West Side Story is iconic and good, and, and it's... I mean, it's good mostly for the music. The story is like, it's fine, you know? Because you know it's Romeo and Juliet, so you're like, I kind of sadly, I know how this is going to go. But uh, it's always... <laughs> Charlie's on his back giving you his belly. He's like, <laughs> look at me, Craig. Um, it's always funny when people are like, oh, what a great story. I'm like... Y yeah yes 
This is right. Go. Please also love. When people are like, I don't like Shakespeare. I'm like, I fucking guarantee you like Shakespeare. Because yeah. you've seen a hundred things ripped off of Shakespeare that you love. Yeah. That you don't know are ripped off of Shakespeare. That's right. Yeah. That's right. But now back to the critics and their tra- the, the tragic flaw of impatience. It, it they're right about it in this movie. Okay. If they wait to get married, that would be better. Yeah. If Romeo just stays in Mantua another day, he gets the note that Juliet has taken a potion yeah. from Friar Lawrence, who's trying to save them. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't, and so he misses the note. Uh, if he waits for her to wake up, in the tomb, then they live happily ever after, mm-hmm. but he doesn't, and he kills himself, and then she wakes up, and then she kills herself. Yeah. And the reason it's called the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet is they're both in hell. Oh, because suicide. Because they committed suicide. Right. Do you and believe that? And they weren't that? patient. Do you actually believe that? I know you are a Catholic, but you're a, what do you call yeah. yourself? So a yeah. reformed They were Catholic? stupid. But do you believe that people who commit suicide go to hell? No, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm not allowed to say if there's a right or wrong answer, but from my perspective, that's the right answer. <laughs> it depends on the circumstances. I, any circumstance in which somebody's I mean, brought if, to if, the brink. If, 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 if you're, I mean, is assisted, uh, assisted death suicide? No, I think we're too precious about some of this stuff. I do too. Yeah, I don't mean to get it too dark, but <clears throat> anyway. Yes. The other way that Shakespeare goes in terms of fate and destiny is Macbeth. Yes. And it's the witches that control things. So Macbeth is very medieval. It's out of control. Very, you don't have control of your life. It's controlled by the forces. Right. And and we get in Macbeth one of the great female characters of all time. Unfortunately... She's portrayed as neurotic, mm-hmm. and that's Lady Macbeth. Nice, nice, different choice of words, Craig. I was helping us all out. You here. are, you are, uh, you're, you've grown. Okay, yeah. So, Lady Macbeth encourages her husband, mm-hmm. who is a great warrior. Yeah, uh, played to, by Denzel Washington. <laughs> played by Denzel Washington and and Orson Welles. I was, and, uh, yeah, yeah, many, but, many. Others. I actually haven't seen the Denzel version, but I want to. Uh, it's very austere. Okay. Black and white. Yeah. Nothing on the sets. That's nice. Good it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. And Frances McDermott is fabulous. Yes, she's the McDermott. As, as the, yeah, as Lady Macbeth. Yeah. But, you know, you have the opening with the witches. Mm-hmm. In the new version, it's one person playing all the witches, which is really with a contorted body. It's kind of strange. I read an interview with that actress. Yeah, it's and amazing. She's like, I can do all this shit. And I was talking to is it Joel Cohn? Is it the Cohn brothers or just yeah. one of the Cohn brothers? No, it's both of it's them. It's both because of them. One she of them like, is married to Frances McDormand. Yeah, exactly. McDormand. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she's dormant? You keep saying her name wrong. Um, and she's asleep? She's a <laughs> Frances McDormand. Yeah. Uh, she's like, I can do all these contortionate things. And they were like, ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's yeah. weird we're, to watch it. Yeah. She's double-jointed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the witches, you know, open the thing, and 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 they say... Charlie. You know, when they come to Macbeth, they say, you know, you're going to become the Caldor, which is the ruler of, of uh, 
the Thane and you know all this Scottish stuff. But you're 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 going to be El Jefe de Jefe uh, until, and and he says for how long? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, until the woods come to your castle, the forest comes to your castle. And yeah. Like, oh my God, the forest isn't going to come to my castle. So how could that ever? How happen? could the forest come and to I'm my like, castle? Oh, I'm in for good. You know, and they and they kill the king, but she can't get over her guilt. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a, her great scene is where she's got blood on her this hand. Out, out damn spot. Yeah, yeah. And she can't get the blood off her hand, and she's going crazier and crazier. He's seeing people he's killed, uh, and she commits suicide. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a heavy play. And then he becomes a megalomaniac because the witches have said, you're not going to be done in until the forest comes to Dunsinane. Yeah. And lo and behold, his opponent trying to avenge his killing of the of the king uh, chops the forest down. The guys use it as a disguise and march on the castle. Yes. And then there's the big fight at, at the end of the play. Uh, and so in this one, uh, Shakespeare's on the side of fate. If you're fated to die, you're going to die. Yeah. As opposed to Romeo and Juliet, where they could have overcome their fate. Right. If they'd just been a little more patient. What's your favorite uh, Shakespeare not sad play? Not, no. Not sad. Oh, Comedy, oh, I guess, oh, is the, yeah, what you would I, I call think, that. I think yours, Midsummer Night's Dream. Midsummer is that's Wonderful. always going to be my favorite Shakespeare. Version is fabulous. Even the new one, the one with Christian Bale. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so good. Oh no, I haven't seen that. I'm I'm thinking of the one Mike Max Reinhardt. I read your script. In. I remember you wrote. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wrote a script about it. Yeah. Um, Max Reinhardt was, you know, came here, made that movie. He had he had done wonderful plays. It's the only movie he ever made. Yeah, uh, and it's fantastic. Mickey Rooney. I was going to say Mickey is, Rooney is, Puck. is just wonderful as Puck. His little laugh is just crazy. You got to see this movie. I mean, you can get it. <laughs> it's like 1935. Uh, Reinhardt went back to Germany, and then things got horrible, and they came back to the United States. What's the, in your opinion, what's the best movie version ever made of a Shakespeare play? To be totally honest with you, I don't know if I've seen enough to be able to. I've seen some. uh, I've seen more plays and read more plays than seen the movie versions of them to be able to feel like I can answer that fairly. Because for me as a young person in high school doing Midsummer Night's Dream, reading the play and using that newer movie as reference, that's always going to have a special place in my heart because I was... 16 years old when I was obsessing over that movie and that play. Yeah. You know, so both <laughs> both that play and that movie are always going to be like, I don't know if it's the best, but it just has a special place in my yeah. heart. Yeah. yeah. What about yours? Same. Um, the I, I mean, I, I, I think the Max Reinhardt uh, Midsummer. Midsummer Night's Dream is incredible. I think the Zeffirelli Romeo and Juliet that I talked about earlier is uh-huh. incredible. Okay. Um, I think the Olivier Hamlet is incredible because okay. he was at that point following directors instead of overwhelming them. Um, the, I mean, a lot of good stuff. 
There was a, um, it wasn't a movie movie, but it was a filmed version of the play and filmed kind of cinematically. And then you can, you can, you know, buy it on DVD or stream it or buy it or whatever on streaming. Um, because I'm a big Doctor Who fan, David Tennant, the actor, mm-hmm. you know, David Tennant. He, yes, I saw him last night on television. You did? Yes. What was he doing? He was on one of those talk shows. Was he promoting? Uh, I forget. Oh, I love him. Uh, he did Hamlet with... Um, oh, well, he'd be good. He did Hamlet with Patrick Stewart. Oh, my God. That's good. That's and Patrick good Stewart was the uncle. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'd be good. Yeah. The movie version with... Um, mm-hmm. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, Alan Bates is the king. And he's fabulous. Okay. Alan Bates? Yeah. Who's Alan Bates? Oh, my goodness. I guess I'm... I don't know anything. What? It's, it's 70s. It was, you know... It was in the 70s. Seven- yeah. Mel Gibson didn't make the movie in the 70s. That was in like the 90s. No, yeah, he did. I'm going to... We're going to argue about this. Okay. Well, uh, look it up. Um, it's a. It's an early... The Mel Gibson Hamlet. Mel Gibson Hamlet. It's It's really wonderful. I know you don't like Mel Gibson, and I don't particularly care for him, but given his proclivities, but he does a wonderful Hamlet. Uh, I didn't mind Mel Gibson until he went off the rails and like made a bunch of anti-Semitic remarks. Oh, he's horrible. Uh, 1990. Okay. Yeah. And Isn't it Ju- Julie Christie is the queen? Mel Gibson is Hamlet. Glenn Close is Gertrude. Oh, there we go. And then she's fabulous. And Alan Bates is Claudius. Yeah. I mean, what a cast. Who the fuck is Alan Bates? Why don't I Alan know? Bates Alan made Bates. Women in Love. I just do not know who this man is. Oh, he's a, he's a British actor and he's just tremendous. But his big performance was Women in Love. Okay. Uh, and uh, which was, you know, based on the novel. That's in, in, Not in, like the movie Shakespeare in Love. No, which is vastly overrated. <laughs> and because of Harvey Weinstein, yes, yeah, it's, uh, somebody gets an Academy Award who shouldn't. I, I didn't know that it, that in this episode we were just going to be talking about Shakespeare's plays. I genuinely thought we were talking about the history of Will Shakespeare. So, for your birthday, Greg. Okay. It is your birthday. <laughs> we will have to talk about more Shakespeare plays in the future. Yeah. The people, this was instead Let, of. Sh- let's have the people tell us if they want to hear more about understanding Shakespeare's plays. This was, uh, instead of History Radar Goes to the Movies, this was History Rated R Goes to the Theater. The Theater, the Theater. What happened to the Theater? Who said that? I don't know. <gasps> Stanny K in White Christmas before he does his legendary. Oh, speaking piece of gay people. Choreography. Yeah. Danny yeah. Kay? Oh, yeah. Danny Gay, right? right? He slept with Laurence Olivier. Oh, I bet he did. How was, <laughs> how was it? Talking about, again, more bisexuals. Danny Kay? I thought he was gay-gay. Who? Danny Kay. Oh, yeah. I was talking about Olivier. Olivier was bisexual. Yeah. Okay. I, I, uh, oh, gosh. this We're not doing a third segment. I, <laughs> no. I feel like for both of us, these might... You're a little, you're a little boozy today. Little buzz. 
<laughs> for the listeners at hand, Craig and I got into a long discussion about something that I've removed from the podcast. We have gone off the rails too much. I have to cook dinner. Jesus Christ. Okay, get there. I have to make food. Okay, uh, no third segment. If you want to hear more about Shakespeare, let us know. This has been a bizarre episode. I'm glad we did it for Craig's birthday. Happy birthday, Tato. That is Thank my you. That is my name for Craig, which is Ukrainian for Papa. And my name for you is Kim Osabi. Thank you, Tonto. <laughs> uh, instead of, yeah, yeah uh-huh, I see what you're doing. Um, <laughs> it took me a second. Uh, I am Will Sterling on uh, Will Sterling. Oh, fuck. Oh, martini time. Ray Horse Gin from the Great Lakes Distillery. Very strong, powerful spirit. Um, Will Sterling underscore Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Craig at uh, the underscore Retor. Right. That's you. History at gmail.com if you want to write us. A uh, uh, a letter, pen pal be our pen pal. Um, history radar uh, at history radar on Instagram. Leave us a rating and review. We're drunk. We're we're kind of fucked up right now. You are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. Exactly. <laughs> we're just gonna end the episode. Will right got me a very potent gin. It's for only my like forty five percent alcohol. It's only an extra proof. No, no, proof. no. That's ninety. It's so 90 proof, 90 proof but 45%, 45%. But that's not the highest. That's not that much over the 40%. No, no, no. You don't understand. I'm saying 45% is not that much more than 40%. Oh, yeah. It, that, it'll do it <laughs> to oh, you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, All right. He's feeding me uh, some really potent gin, <laughs> folks. I want the people to, to take this in. They've heard me drunk on this podcast before, but you always kept it together. And you're, you're kind of, you're a little... He's pushing me to the edge. <laughs> well, if you want to hear more of Drunk Uncle Craig, come back next week for more of... History Rated R! <laughs> that hiccup at the end. <laughs> Good food.